Everybody turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. We'll look at verse 18. And then Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. It's not a bad attendance for the blizzard. Thank you guys for braving the afternoon. It seemed like a lot of people came to the 9 o'clock service. We actually had a pretty, very full 9 o'clock service. I was actually surprised by that. Um, so they weren't as brave as you. They, they saw the snow coming. like, we better get this over with quick before we, before we get stuck. You, you know all of them right now while you're in here, they're at Price Chopper buying out all the bread and milk. So you're just going to have to starve the next three days. Like, it's over for you guys. No, I'm just kidding. We have the bread of life. So, I know that was cheesy, but it's true, all right. So, actually, yeah, actually, these are no calories. They are actually subtractive calories. They subtract things out of your life. Anyway, the, this, this bread's good bread. Anyway, um, Ephesians 1, verse 18, and Hebrews eleven three says this, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Track with me now. It's, it's, it's important that you understand it's his calling. It's not your calling. See, why do we take everything in our life and we take ownership of it? Like even inside the church, right? Even inside the church and we, we tend to, he gives, he he, she reveals his calling for your life, and we take ownership and say, it's my calling. And I want you to understand, when you make it your calling, you will never live in the fullness of what he's calling you to because you've made it about you. And you will always be limited in your ability and in your effort. But if it's his calling, whatever he orders, track, write this down, whatever God orders, he pays the bill for. Some of you are in a deficit in your life. You're in a deficit in your ministry. You're in a deficit in your marriage because you've ordered something and you want God to foot the bill for it. He didn't order it. Okay, this is good stuff, right? I'm, a, I'm helping. God's going to do something different for this service. I have a word I want to share, but we need to stay on this for a second. This will be interesting. Like we go, we go, like going to the restaurant, we go, we order everything we want and we want God to foot the bill for it. We didn't ask him whether we should go to that restaurant. We didn't ask him what restaurant he wanted to go to. We didn't ask him if we should order that. Some of us treat relationships this way. We want a man that's fine, but not a man that's divine. That was kind of cool. You know what I mean? So, me, oh, oh wow. Meaning, meaning I will, I, if he has pecs and he has a bum bum, all right, then, and, he, and he's sexy looking and he smiles at the right time and, he, and, and he's attractive, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to decide to order that. I want you to know you'll foot the bill for that. You're going to pay for what you order in your life. And some of us need to begin to look at everything in our life and ask God, and we need to stop making it our right to do this and our right to do that. And we need to understand that anything that God orders for your life, he pays the bill for. We have people, I have, I have talked to people, um, particularly in my line of work, that have a passion 
to plant churches because in their mind, feeble mind, it's sexy to plant churches. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, it may look sexy, but it's hard work. And trust me, it's sacrifice. Where we are now, that came on the backs of people who laid their life down. The room you're sitting in came and wrote on the backs of people who laid their life down. But track with me on this. God paid the bill for everything that was His will for this church. I, the other day, we, we got an offer to buy the building. And I've had people asking me questions, but Sean, why, why, haven't we, why haven't we gone to the bank? Listen, you have to understand, whenever I get an idea or I get an opening, I will, if the door is open this much, I'll shove my foot in there, ram my shoulder into it, and I'll go in. Because you gave me an opening. That's the way I've lived my whole life. And like, if there's an opportunity to plant a church, boom, plant a church. There's an opportunity to plant a church in Arkansas, boom, we planted a church. There's an opportunity to plant another church, boom, we planted three churches in eight years. You have to understand, if there's an opportunity, I'm ramming my foot through the opening, and I'm jamming the door open. I'm not waiting for God to open the door. I'm getting in. So we had an opening. It was almost like an opportunity peeking out the, wind, the crack going, you see me? Don't you want to know what's in here? Yes, and the old me would have went, coming in. And I reached for the phone to go do that. And God said, stop. And I said, that's not what we do. You said, go into all the world, not sit and do nothing in all the world. So we had a talk, and I want you to understand if God orders it, he pays the bill for it. But if I jam my foot in it and I try to go get a loan, I pay for it. And there are people who are paying a bill that they should have never had to pay. That God really, his heart was to put the bill for the thing he's called you to, but you moved out of time. And you made it about you. And you made it about your skills. And you made it about your sacrifice. Come on now, listen to me. Some of, you, some of you are, God can make good on a marriage where you, you married for the wrong reason. You didn't even ask God what he thought about the person you met. And God can make good on that. I want you to understand that. But the reality is many of us don't even talk to God about what he plans for our lives. Right? It's his calling. This, 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 this is touching my heart because it's not my calling to do this church. It's his calling. For me to do this church. <laughs> and, and this should encourage us because if it's his calling for me to be here, then I will be here as long as he wants me to be here. And there ain't no devil in hell. And there ain't no problem that can come. And there ain't no person that can get me off this spot. Because God called. It's his calling on my life. Somebody could come in and shoot a gun at me right now. And if it's my calling to be here, the bullet will go around me. Like, that's crazy talk, right? You're like, so you have superhero powers. No, I'm protected by God. No weapon formed against me when I'm in his calling can come against me. You understand what I'm saying? Even a bullet. I know it goes faster than the speed. Anyway, anyway I was going to do a Superman thing, but I ruined it already because he goes faster than a speeding bullet or in a train. Man. 
So his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Hebrews 11.3 says this, By faith we understand that the worlds were formed by the word of God. This is really important. He didn't say world. He says worlds. Brooke and I together live, we have a world that some of you know about and some of you have a part of and some of you are not. Right? You're part of this part, you're part of this world, but you're not necessarily all part of my house world. Brooke is, my kids are, you're not. Doesn't mean we don't love you. It's just there are worlds that function. Brooke has a world all by herself in her office. Trust me, it's 98 degrees in there during the winter. That is a world I do not go into because I do not want to have a heart attack and a heat stroke and die and kill over in my wife's office. I just, I knock on the window every once in a while and go, I love you. Can you get that done? Come on in. No, I want to live. <laughs> That's not the world I go into. It's her world. She creates her atmosphere where there are worlds. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen, listen, the things which are seen, everybody say are seen. The things you see were not made of things which you can see. This always was really heady for me. I was like, oh, this is pontificate about the things that aren't seen. And I'd think about it forever. Let me, let me say to, to you this way. This table wasn't here until someone had a thought to make a table that looked like this. It came from a thought which is not seen. It's envisioned in a man's mind. It's his thought. He saw this, and then he went and got aluminum and wood that was a tree. He saw something in wood and aluminum that no one else saw, and he put it together, and the thing which was unseen became seen. Everything that is in this room right now came from an invisible place, and literally it came from a thought. I love this. I'm going to... Read this, it's in Jeremiah. I just got this while we were worshiping. Um, I actually didn't know the reference because um, I'm not a reference and verse kind of guy, but I do know the word. And I read the word and know the word, and this scripture popped into my head. It's actually Jeremiah 29, verse 11. It says this. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Now, I love this right here because he says, He thinks not thoughts about you. He thinks thoughts towards you. Oh my gosh. Oh man. Because, and listen, and, and then he goes and talks on it. I'm just trying to set this up for you. He goes and he continues on. He says, my thoughts go towards you. Now you have an ability, whether you're going to live in the thoughts I send towards you and make something visible come of that, or you're going to live in the thoughts you think of yourself. Now, now look at the difference. There is a there is a difference between his thoughts that he's sending toward us that he longs for us to live in till it lives out of us, okay? So listen to this. Thoughts are towards us. We live in his thoughts, and then we send thoughts out. Then those thoughts become visible to the world. Thoughts he sends towards us. We live in his thoughts instead of our thoughts, and then we reveal that to the world like this table, okay? Now, now I love this. This is so prophetic because it's a prophetic book. Anyway, I'm... It says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. 
When you live in his thoughts, you live in peace. When you live in your thoughts, you live in evil. All right? So you can be peaceful or you can be evil. Are you living in the thoughts he's sending towards you or are you living in the thoughts you think of yourself? Oh my gosh, that's so good. <laughs> that's why it says he will keep those. Listen, he'll keep, not give. Not he'll give peace. He'll keep those in perfect peace, those who fix their mind on him. His thoughts that he sent towards you, which is peace. So he'll keep you in peace when you think of him, when you dwell on the thought he sent towards you. That's good stuff, man. Okay. All right. So verse 11 says, says the Lord, thoughts to give you a future and a hope. Oh, he gives me two things. Yay. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And listen, and you will seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. And then I thought of this. I thought, as a man thinks in his, so will be he. Or so he will be. What are you thinking? Are you thinking your thoughts? Are you living in his thoughts towards you? Everything that is visible today came from a thought. If you don't like the world you're living in, you need to change your thought about the world you've created with your thoughts. Come on now. <laughs> You're like, well, you don't know what happened to me. I've been hurt. That's all right. Hurt and pain causes thoughts. Do you want to create a world around that thought? It's amazing how we are perpetrated against in a moment, but we choose to live in that thought for the rest of our life. And we are not just abused once, we are abused every hour of our day because we have created a world around that thought. He says, change the way you think. Because it's not okay that you live in the abuse that has been inflicted upon you, but you will live in it if you do not change the way you think. Oh my gosh. Some of us have become enslaved by our thinking. Amen? Enslaved by it. It's not fair that happened to you, but you're living as a slave to the thing that's been perpetrated against you, and you need to set yourself free with a new thought. God thinks something different towards you. Oh my gosh. I have people that talk to me quite a bit about relationships. Sometimes that's marriage. Sometimes it's boyfriend, girlfriend. Sometimes that's family. Sometimes that's family. Oh, man, this is the season of family. And some, I mean, I don't know if there's any family that have a little bit of crazy in it. Oh, my family's great. Then you're the crazy one. Everybody's talking about you. There ain't no crazy in my family. You're that person. Mm-hmm. You're that person. You're that person because there's crazy in every single family. And some of us... <laughs> And some of us just need to understand that, that it is our responsibility to not focus on the crazy, but to focus on what are God's thoughts towards that person that's crazy. <laughs> 
He may not have framed his world and lived in that thought. So what is produced in his world is not what God thought. Maybe if you thought about him the way God thought about him, maybe you could reframe his world or her world. Are you with me today? Oh, my goodness. I, we watched a movie uh, last night. It's called It's a Wonderful Day in the Neighborhood. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Something like that. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Beautiful day in the neighborhood. Don't look at me like that. You guys all sang that too if you're over. How many of you remember watching that when you were growing up, right? We watched this and there was an interview in there. They were talking about Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers and, and his wife was standing back and the guy interviewing um, Mr. Rogers was standing there watching and looked at his wife and said, is he always like this? And she said, no, he has his bad moments. He has his bad uh, his struggles. He has his hurts. This is not what he is. This is a practice. Some of you want to wake up in the morning when you get saved and you want to just radically be happy and see good in everybody and everything's going to be cheerful and wonderful and it's happy and if I'm saved, I'm just always in a really good mood. No, it's a practice. Track with me. It's a practice. Everybody say it. It's a practice. It's a practice. What you practice frames your world. Oh, man. Last night, my wife and I, well, can we just have an honest time since this is the lowest service, right? Let's be honest with you. Last night, my wife and I were talking about something specific. Ain't none of your business about what I was talking about, but something specific. Nothing in the church, just something specific. And Brooke brought up a proposition for me, something we needed to do differently. Try to think how to say this. And, and I didn't like it. We were trying to compromise, but, but I'm, I'm telling you, something in me, something in me just shut off like fireworks. Like I hadn't even been frustrated about this in a while. And I started to talk, controlled, controlled about why I was mad about this situation and how this situation, see these eyes? Oh, yeah. I'm trying to help you know, like, I'm just feeling it already. I started to just, I felt like I, I started to, my chest was started to just get compressed and I couldn't breathe and my lungs were, and I just, I, you ever feel that feeling where something that you thought you were over just rises back up and sparks out? Just sets you off. And I just started, my, my voice started to get louder. And I started, I started to hear myself. I was like, ah, the crazy's coming out. Crazy coming out. Like, I can't control myself. And the more that I thought about it, the angrier I got. And listen, I went from a restaurant after a movie of just talking about how I want to be more nice like Mr. Rogers to losing my mind through the entire dinner and half the word at home. And I said, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. And I just, I said, I need to stop this conversation. I want you to know there are some things. The enemy, his, his war tactic is not, to, is not to make something happen to you. It's to ignite a thought that hurts you in your life. And it's like a cell that he activates that's been 
that's been, what is it called when, when something's dormant? A dormant cell that has just kind of been dormant, not doing anything, not really functioning, not really saying anything, just kind of there, just kind of present, but dormant and just there. And all of a sudden, the enemy will come and he will activate that thought and set you off. It changes everything. It changes the way you talk. It changes the way you see things. It changes the way you hear things. It changes the way you value the people around you because all you can think about is this one thing. And you begin to set every relationship and every situation and the moment in the context of that hurt. Oh my gosh. And God said, I want you to think about the thoughts I sent towards you. Dwell on those things. Dwell in that thing so that you can produce the new reality that you're currently not living in. Change your thought, change your world. Some of you don't like the world you're living in. Change your thoughts, change your world. We changed our thoughts that night. I changed the conversation. I began to try to Here's how I started changing conversation. It wasn't like, oh, yes, God's good. Oh, I love you and you're wonderful. I shut my mouth. And it was hard. And every, there was a couple times I, we were driving. I was about halfway home. I looked over and went, and another thing. Mm, mm, no, never mind. No, no, never mind. Are you with me today? <laughs> like, like, okay, I, I'm just, we all on the same page today. Everybody understand what I'm talking about? The words that are coming out of my mouth? Okay. All right. It says in the Bible that the eyes of your understanding would be open. I want to say, by faith, we understand that the world's afraid by, that the eyes of your understanding. We talked last week about that we stand under, understanding is standing under what he wants. We have to lose our head so we can stand under his headship and his head reigns, his thoughts, not our thoughts. The only way you can think his thoughts and not your thoughts is to be beheaded. <laughs> and then you take your, head, your headless body and you put it under the headship of Christ and let his thoughts be your thoughts now. But we have to get an understanding. Track with me. This understanding helps you to see the way God sees because it's his headship seeing. Some of you are seeing according to the old man because you haven't been beheaded and haven't stood up under his authority. So you don't see the way he sees because it isn't his eyes. It's your eyes on your head. And some of you need to come up under his headship. It says that understanding, it says, listen, it says the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Meaning standing under his headship has eyes. Understanding has eyes. His eyes. To see your situation the way he sees your situation. Whenever you begin to get... Listen, God... God has an anger, but he doesn't live in anger. God sees stuff and he gets frustrated about it, but it doesn't frame his world. You're lucky. Anger doesn't frame his world because his world is your world. Right? And if, he, and if anger framed his world, we'd be in hell right now. Are you with me today? You better be lucky that anger doesn't rule him. He has it, but it doesn't rule him. All right. I was thinking the other day about, um, 
I do a lot of, I think a lot about business stuff. I read a lot of business books, you know. Um, I just, I like that. I like the terminology. I love that. I love leadership. I, I love leadership because I just, I just love it. It's just my personal fun time reading, right? And I, I've learned a lot about corporations um, and that, that a corporation is not, not necessarily a person, like, Amazon is not a person. Now, I know we, what's the name of the guy who owns Amazon? My son would know. He, who? Jeff Bezos. Yeah, that name. Jeff Bezos, right? And he is actually the richest person in the world we're talking about overnight. Like, literally. He is the wealthiest person in the world right now. Better than, more, more, more than, than Bill Gates. More, he's rich. Rich. But, but I want you to know that Amazon is not a person. It's not Jeff Bezos. If Jeff Bezos died, Amazon would still live on. I want you to know this church is not Sean Gray. If I were to die tomorrow, this place still lives on. Thoughts live beyond people. People have a timeline. Thoughts can live forever. That's why Jesus died. All the apostles died and they were crucified. And it's... And it's, it's Hundreds and hundreds of years later, and the thought still lives on because a thought is eternal. And a thought continued, a thought, a thought that is believed in, a thought that is valuable, it lives beyond one generation. That's why he's a multi-generational God. Some of us want to live according to who we are and our calling and us as a person, and we wonder why what we start dies every generation because we're not looking at it as, the, as that, that, a, that a corporation or, or what we believe in is our thought. We believe in us greater than the thoughts we think. So it dies every generation. God says, I'm a multi-generational God. I think generationally, meaning that when I, listen, what does he say? I what? I, I what? Think generationally. Thoughts live beyond your generation because it's not about you. It's not about a person. Corporations also, they're not a building. Amazon could leave the building that it's in, move to another building, and Amazon is still Amazon. This building can be taken away from us tomorrow, and Echo Church did not die. Echo Church is not a person, and it is not a building. Echo Church is a thought. It is a list of ideals. It is a thought. Okay. The greatest thing you will leave your children is not a dollar bill. It's not a house. It is not a trust fund. The greatest thing you will leave your kids is a thought that you think towards them. Oh my gosh, that's what lives on in their heart. Because <laughs> the bills will run out. The trust fund eventually dies and the house turns to dust. But the thought you thought towards them is eternal. When's the last time you thought a thought towards your children that will live on in their hearts? Some of you have thought thoughts towards your children and spoken words over your children that will live on and it is not good. It is evil because it's your thoughts, not his thought for them through you. Oh my gosh. Oh Lord, help me. Oh Lord, help me. Oh Lord, help me. I'm convicted. Lord, help me. Echo Church is not a building. Echo Church is not a man. And, and I want to also say this. It's not a product. Like, like um, if McDonald's lived and died according to the McRib that is seasonal... I love this example because everybody gets real. I mean, everybody loves the McRib, but people still buy. No, no. But 
but there's a lot of people that love McRib, but when it comes off the menu, it didn't mean that McDonald's ceased to exist because a corporation is not a product. Are you with me today? It's not a product. The product can change, but the corporation can live on because it's the thought that counts. Okay. It's a thought. It's an idea. It's conviction. It's a premise. When's the last time you were convicted enough to live? To... Some of us haven't had a, had a new thought in a long time. Think about it. I, you're like, oh, I just had one then right there. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. Um, sometimes we think that what we think about ourselves is a new thought. No, it's just reliving and rehashing all the things that have happened to you in your life. You need to stop rehashing and thinking about who you are. And you need to think about what God planned for you to be so you could actually begin to produce the invisible to the visible. But you could only do it when you begin to think about yourself the way he thinks towards you. Some of you don't know it because you don't open this. Some of you open this, but you don't believe it because you believe your thought over this thought. Your current reality, let me tell you this, your current reality and what is in the visible sometimes handicaps us from something that isn't visible. That's why faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. And then we speak it into existence. I mean, okay, okay. All right. We, uh, if you think about living 300 years ago, Everything that, I mean, most everything that is convenient that you are, are participating, that you have right now, the shirts that you have, um, uh, there's, you know, you have a polo shirt on, right? A gray polo shirt on, the buttons that are there, the thread count, all that stuff, that wasn't there. Not like it is today. Your cell phone? <laughs> Much less having three cameras, it looks like a, you know, a rocket launcher, right? It's, it's, it wasn't, you didn't have one, you didn't have a phone. Like when I was back in my day, we had a, their rotary phones. I actually watched a video the other day of a kid trying to use, it was a, they did a millennial video of taking old things that you, we used to have when we were kids and giving it to kids today just to see what they would do with it. They were trying to use a can opener. It took the kid an hour, never figured out what was going on. Trying to, beating it, trying to crack it, trying to, he would actually put it on the side and turn it, but it wasn't actually opened and put onto the can. It was hilarious. You should look it up. It'll make your day. I laughed so hard I almost threw up. <laughs> because everything that we become accustomed to, microwaves and, and, and light and, and heat and air conditioning and, and frozen food and you know, microwave meals and TVs and phone, all this stuff that we become dependent on, like our jobs today are centered around technology. Like when I was a kid, they didn't even have internet. What? That's archaic. You are old, dude. Yeah, I know. I didn't even have an internet when I was born. Like that, that just that came recently. Like so many, 300 years, most of the things that we have become accustomed to came from and is here. This was a thought. 300 years. Think about it. We've been, we've been alive for thousands of years. 300 years. It only took 300 years and the thoughts just exploded in our world and changed. Track with me. 
thoughts change the way we live. Some of you don't like the way you're living. If you want to change it, it changes with a thought. Listen, the whole world was changed in 300 years with thoughts. Some of you as parents need to change and get a different thought so you can reframe the world that your kids will grow up in. And we, we live in a generation right now, I'm not hating on millennials, we, we've caused this, uh, my generation, generation for us caused this, but there is a dumbing down in our generation that's happening. I mean, a, a perfect sign of that is the shows we watch, like the reality shows. Like, living with the Kardashians. And it, it's just like, it, the, the, the sillier you are, the crazier you are, and the dumber you act, the more famous you become. And let me tell you, and we buy it. We pay for that. Are you with me? Some of you are like, don't even hate on that. I love the Kardashians. That's fine. That's fine. Love the Kardashians. But I'm saying there's a dumbing down. It is, it's, there's, no, there's nothing that challenges us to think differently. Like the movies we watch now. Like most of the movies, and I'm so annoyed with movies now because there's very few original movies. There's just a bunch of rebooting. If I see another superhero movie done the same way, Spider-Man has been done 250 times. I'm going to burn Spider-Man to the ground. Seen it, done it, don't need it to be a cartoon, a different person, a new kid. I'm tired of it. Next time we'll know we're going to have... Anyway, I'll back off that. It's like, there's a dumbing down. No one wants to come up with your original idea. Who thought of Spider-Man? Well, we know who thought of Spider-Man. Because, because we value thoughts. Now, now, because we pay for that stuff over and over and over again, they don't have to come up with a new thought. There's a dumbing down. They don't have to because we pay for it. We support it. <laughs> like, like, like news, like media, news, they don't even have to tell the truth no more. They can give you whatever line they want. It, they don't, they, back in the day, they used to have to fact check. And if they said something that was wrong, it would destroy the news station. So it was very, like, it was hard to get a job as a source. They, when they got a source, they, it, they spent there were news stations that would not come out with the information as fast because they were checking the source. And it wasn't about who came out with it first. It was about who did it right. That day's gone. You know why? Because there's no, there's no expectation and we put that trash in us and we don't care that they check the source. So they'll put any kind of trash out there they want and there's no expectation. Now listen on both sides, I'm, listen, I know Donald Trump's talked about, about man, fake media, fake news, fake, you know, I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying it, there's a lot of not truth going on in our world. Try to Google something. You have to fact check it with 15 different sites. And then those, those sites, you have to wonder if they're even true anymore. Like fact checking is even almost impossible now because I don't even trust the ones that I used to trust. That's why I hardly share any blog post or any, you know, New media post because I don't even know if it's true. And listen, and they're putting it out without caring about the reality of what it is because we put that trash in us and we're okay with it. There's a dumbing down. I want you to know the enemy knows that what the way he reshapes worlds here, your world, your mom's world, your house's world, the church's world, all these worlds, the way he reshapes it is with a thought. And if he can change the way you think, he can change your world. He's using your authority and your thoughts 
because you won't stand under the headship of Christ and see things the way he sees things. Oh, come on now. And we, listen to me, you're fitting, there are people in here today, okay, everyone else at every other church and every other person, not us. Not us, not us, first service, right? <laughs> we are fitting, footing the bill for the world we live in. <laughs> Let me talk about something that's gone, dead and gone. We had 50 shades of gray, 100 shades of gray, 150 shades of gray. I looked at percentages. I won't even tell you. You just go look it up. I looked at percentages of people in the church that they interviewed that watched that and foot the bill for that trash. Oh, I got quiet in here. I could say some other stuff that's more current that we talk about, but I just want you to understand something. Listen, you can't expect your world to change if you won't change the way you think. And the reality is you have been lulled into a sleeper cell. That is no good for the kingdom of God. And the church has infiltrated themselves and brought terrorist acts against themselves because they don't think right anymore. And we are undermining our very existence and God's very purpose for our lives. And we're doing it, feeding ourselves as much trash as we can get in. And we don't care where the pieces go. And we don't care if it kills us. We like it. So we're going to do it. I was, I was reading the article the other day. I don't know if it's true. Probably. I tried to fact check it. I think it was true. But there was an article about a professor at Harvard that used to be a surgeon. And, this, and, and there was somebody doing a doctorate. In, and this person doing the doctorate and this surgeon slash professor now got together. And they did a dissertation. And they did in the dissertation, they did a study of people that were terminally ill. But still could be well if they just changed their diet. A very specific study. Listen to me. A very specific study. And so, it, so that what they did was they sat down with people and the doctors of these people, these two sat down with the doctors. And the doctors told the people that if you would change your diet and you would do this, this, and this, you will not die. But if you do not change your diet and you continue the way you are, I guarantee you, you will die within a year. Okay, I don't need to talk about what specifics they were. There were different occasions. There were different things people were feeding and putting trash in, different kinds of things. But they said, if you don't stop, you'll die. It's amazing to me that, that people will be that coughing up blood, have lung cancer, or, or, or on the verge of lung cancer, and the doctor will tell them, you're going to die within a year if you don't stop. They will smoke themselves to death. And so they did a study, and they said, out of this study, from group to group to group of 10 people coming through, an average of average, average, one out of 10 people will not will, will change their what they put in. One out of 10. One out of 10 will change, and the rest will just die. That's the church. We've been warned, according to his word, that we need to change our, or we will live as walking dead. And we don't change. One out of 10 does. The rest of us would just rather die. Because at least we can have our cake and die with a happy stomach. Come on now. Listen to me. And, and it's hard. It's hard to change when everything in your life has been centered around being satisfied by that thing. I want you to know, they actually, they, there's some kind of peptides. I don't know if it's peptides, but there's a specific cell that when you, like, I love Oreos, right? 
I'm trying to get set free from Oreos. I'm trying. It's hard. I need to go to like a rehab, Oreo rehab somewhere. But I, I will cut back a lot, but they say that, that in your body, that when you feed yourself an Oreo, there are specific things, there's cells, specific cells, peptide, I don't know if it's called a peptide or something, but it's, it attaches to that nutrient and then reproduces. So, the, so that cell that likes Oreos, that attaches to Oreo, reproduces and doubles. So the more you feed yourself that, the more, you, the more that cell happens. And it actually reshapes the way you look. This is why it's not just spiritual, it's physical. What you feed yourself, you look like. Oh, come on now. It changed the way you look. That's why you can see somebody that was lost and feeding themselves a bunch of trash change and begin to feed themselves different and literally physically look different. J.D. and Amanda is a good example. They posted a picture the other day of what they look like a few years back and what they look like now. When you feed yourself different, the cells that make you look the way you do today begin to duplicate and the other cells begin to die. Some of us need to starve our history and we need to feed our destiny. Oh my goodness gracious. You don't like living in your past? Stop feeding your past. You know how you feed it? With your thoughts, with your time, with your energy. Some of us won't stop talking about our past, so we're feeding our past and we're starving our destiny because we won't give any time to actually think about what God thinks about us for our future. So some of us can never get to what God hopes for us because we're constantly starving forward motion, feeding backward motion. And some of us have been running backwards our whole life. And God's saying it's time for you to starve your history and begin to feed your destiny and let that grow and begin to shape who you are in the world that you live in. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Okay. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Everything starts in the thoughts you think. You're, listen to this. I wrote this down for me. I, and maybe this isn't like, this is not earth shattering or anything, but listen to this. You are no better than the thoughts you think. Did you hear me on that? It, like, if you would do an evaluation of the thoughts you think through the week, you can be no better than the thoughts you think. If you think little, you go little. If you think destitute, you go destitute. If you think hurt, you'll be hurt. If you think depressed, you'll be depressed. If your thoughts are anxious, you'll be anxious. Everything that manifests visibly happens first in our thoughts, invisibly. You don't like what's manifesting? Start thinking a new thought. This just church used to be an auto garage because somebody thought, I want an auto garage. And they had a vision for an auto garage and it became an auto garage. But then somebody came along and turned it into a plant that made microchips for the government. No one knew what it was. It was very secretive. I kind of thought it was ex ex exciting. I actually had a microchip for a long time. And I was like, probably the FBI could come in here any day and grab this thing. I, I kind of wanted to plug it in and see what would happen. I just was just kind of exciting. Eventually, I threw it away because I had a new thought for this building. 
came in, there was a garage bay there, garage bay there. Part of it was still auto garage, and there were, there, were, there were factories, there were machines that made chips all through here. And when we came in, we, we had a thought that this could be a church. I remember talking to the guy, the CEO, the owner of the business. I remember talking to a few of the employees that had, there was offices over there uh, where the foyer is now. And they said, hey, what, so what are you guys doing? What are you bringing in here? What business are you bringing in? And I said, we're bringing in a church. And he said, there's no way this can be a church. Have you gone down to the basement? We went down to the basement. There were rats running around down there. It was a dump. It was a dump. But God can somehow or another change the visible world with a new thought. Oh my gosh. And they say, there's no way this will be a church. I just can't wait to see. You, you, there's, you, you'll see. You'll learn. There's no way it could be a church. And, and in two months, we flipped this thing around. We, we, well, some of you, like uh, Gail is actually sitting on a hole right now. It was a hole. And then I welded up the floor and poured concrete in there. Every time somebody jumps up and down worship right there, I just pray to God that they stay up. <laughs> Don't fall through the bottom of the floor. There used to be a lift that was on the, on the bottom. If you go downstairs and you look in our office, there's a circle where a lift used to be that would actually come up from the bottom floor into this floor and lift cars up. We cut that out, jackhammered that out, pushed that lift over, cut the concrete out, jackhammered the concrete, rolled those. If you go back there in the back of the building today and you look back in, in, the, in the hole back there, there's big concrete ball, uh, cinder blocks, pillars that, that Steve and a couple men rolled back there and was like, woohoo, it knocked down trees. We were screaming and yelling. It was a lot of fun. But that, that lift used to lift people up but now the Spirit lifts people up. It is the same lift, different vessel. I want you to know that God can do something different in this world. And what used to lift one way now lifts another. What used to lift a car, now God lifts us in spirit. Because we had a different thought. I remember the owner coming back in here and walking around and going, Oh my goodness. I would have never thought this could be a church. That's the problem. Because some of us never live in the fullness and the reality of a better future because we don't have the right thought. Some of us in here today need to get a thought. Some of us in this moment, as they sing this one last time, some of us need to pray to God that he would give us a thought, a different thought that would change our future. A different thought, one thought, just one. If you could just get one thought, it'll change your life. One thought can change your kids. One thought can change your world. One thought can change a generation and the next generation and the next generation because thoughts are eternal. You just need one good thought to change your life. Some of you need to quit praying for multiple thoughts, multiple revelation, and you just need to be faithful because it'll take you your whole life to live out one good thought that God thinks towards you. Oh, <laughs> My life is trying and striving to live out into the fullness of the thought he thought towards me when he made me from before the foundations of the world. I still hadn't even got halfway to living out the thought he thought towards me. <laughs> Do you know the thought he thought towards you when he dreamt you up and he thought about you in his mind from before you were visible? Some of us need to pray this morning that God would reveal that thought. 